0: Hello listeners, Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello listeners, and welcome back to part two in a series covering the disappearance of three-year-old Dylan Ehler. In the prior episode, we were joined by Dylan's father, Jason Ealer, who described the heartbreaking and disturbing story of his son's disappearance. During that episode, one of the more surprising moments was when Jason directed criticism towards Dylan's grandmother, Dorothy Parsons, the last person to see Dylan. That discussion with Jason made me realize that Dorothy's story is critical in understanding what may have happened to Dylan Ealer. Up until now, Dorothy has largely remained silent. And others have told her story, and while doing so, often added their own thoughts to color it. Well, that's going to change tonight. In this episode of Nighttime, we're going to hear Dorothy's story. Our guest is the last person to see Dylan Ealer prior to his disappearance, Dorothy Parsons. And our topic is the disappearance of her three-year-old grandson, Dylan Ealer.
1: The description of three-year-old Dylan Eller is burned into the minds of Churro residents. Churro Police Chief Dave McNeil says it only took seconds for him to disappear from his grandmother's yard. Dylan was at his
0: grandmother's residence on Queen Street playing outside. Uh, His grandmother became briefly distracted and uh, turned around for a moment. And when she turned back, uh, Dylan was no longer in the yard. Um, What goes through my head with the whole thing is I believe that she neglected to watch him. I believe that she turned her back for a lot longer than what she's saying, and I believe that
1: he possibly did go into that brook. Um, all I can say is, I wish Dorothy had made better choices that day.
0: So first thing, maybe, if, uh, Dorothy, if you could just introduce yourself and explain to me your connection to this story and to Dylan Ehler.
1: Um, My name is Dorothy Parsons, um, and Dylan Ealer is my grandson. Yeah, and, and many
0: people know Dylan's story and are familiar with you and know your name, but very few have heard you, you know, give your side of the story. I believe you've only spoke publicly once before. Can you, maybe, like, could you tell me what has led to you not being as public in the story as some other people have?
1: Well, um, I'm not one for um, being out in the public eye. Mm -hmm. to begin with and I was getting uh so much like threats and this and that and the other and and honestly I was told that I wasn't welcome on family searches so I mean really I really didn't have a group to go with but I would go out on my own at times that I knew probably there would be nobody else around because at that time I was getting threatened and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I didn't advertise that I was looking. I didn't advertise if I was putting up posters. I just stayed quiet Mm -hmm. because there was enough garbage going around that why feed more to them?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And now, before we get into like your memories of that day and and the circumstances of Dylan's disappearance, what I want to first ask about is like, as you kind of alluded to there, since he disappeared, it seems like fingers have been pointed in every direction. Everyone involved in, in Dylan's life at some point seems to have been accused by someone on the internet as being, you know, involved in it. But due to your connection with being the last person to see him you got it especially bad can you give me kind of an idea of what it's been like like what have people been saying to you or what have you been dealing with
1: oh my god um people think i'm um into dark arts um satanic rituals like and there's just um, I've gotten threats of, you know, people coming my way to beat the crap out of me, to leave me in a pool of my own blood to die. Like it's it's it's
0: ridiculous. Just from following the story, I know there were like l- legal actions and whatnot against people cyberbullying the family. Were, were you involved in that or was that specifically no. Dylan's parents? Okay. Uh, that was just Dylan's parents. Yeah. And I'm sure you were getting a lot of it online, but did it ever cross the line to real life? Like, was there ever issues that you ran? Like, I'm, I'm assuming like you're so well-known when you go to the grocery store, people are going to know you and your connection to Dylan. Like, has it ever crossed the line into real life, this kind of finger wagging?
1: No, um, nobody's ever came up to me and said anything to my face Mm -hmm. it's all um well what i'll call is keyboard warriors i was thinking the same thing yeah nobody has threatened me to my face it's always been through the internet Mm -hmm. i have one person in particular that's been hard at it like i deserve to be in jail and that person even wrote an email to the Truro police station, essentially like you deal with her. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of her. Wow. So they were concerned enough to call me and let me know that just to be careful. Mm. And
0: what's like, as absurd as all that is, what I think people need to get is not only are you dealing with this sort of thing, you also have a tragedy in the middle of your family on like anything that most people listening to this will ever imagine. Like, I just can't imagine dealing with these two things at once. Like how has the, the finger pointing and the, you know, the threats and all that, how has that affected your ability to simply grieve your grandson?
1: Um, I don't think I really have yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've, broken down and cried and stuff but i haven't had any real time to just you know grieve Mm -hmm. and i probably won't until the end comes like i still believe that he's out there i still believe that he'll be brought home um you know, and I, I believe I have a theory on what happened, but I can't really say because it's just my theory. Mm-hmm. So there's no proof, nothing. So mm-hmm. don't want to get myself in trouble and point fingers. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I get that. So uh, let's get to the circumstances of that of that day. On May, it, it all happened in May 6, 2020. Let's start with like what led to Dylan being with you that day. I understand you were looking after him for the day why was he with you? yeah
1: um well my daughter got a hold of me and um, she'd already been going through quite a bit so anyway she wanted to go for coffee with a friend so she messaged me and asked me if i'd watch dylan for a few hours and of course i said sure no problem so she came i believe around 10 30 or 11 like I don't look at the clock much so it's really hard for me to put exact time on things and so she stood there and she visited for a while and um, then she went you know out to her friends and Dylan was here and he was playing with his you know his toys and his the puppy and you know just being Dylan.
0: yeah. And was, was this a typical thing? Like, I know with my kids, I dropped them off at my mom's house as much as possible. Did Dylan spend a lot of time, you know, being in your care?
1: Yes, he has. Mm-hmm. You know, from the time he was born, mm-hmm. like, you know, I think he might have just been a few months old when I when I started watching him, mm-hmm. like overnight, sometimes I think mostly it was just for overnight. Mm-hmm. Um Once in a while, it might've been the weekend, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'd both his parents would ask me if I could take them and just so they'd have a break. Yeah. And every parent needs a break. I
0: I get that. (laughs) But this certainly wasn't an out of the ordinary thing. Like Dylan would be comfortable at your house and, you know, I at grandma's house kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Like he, him, like most of my grandchildren, just, they run my house.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get that. It's a
1: disaster when they're done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, in in your time with Dylan on on that day, it eventually leads to you being in the backyard. Could you kind of describe how how that would work? Like, is, do you have I don't know, like a fenced in yard and an area for the kids to tear it up?
1: No, it's um, it's not fenced in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a partial fence by between the road and the yard, but it's. You can easily go around it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a a fence. And I am always out there with them. Mm -hmm. I don't let them out alone. Mm -hmm. And the older ones know that, you know, if a car stops or somebody's coming in the driveway to, to run to me um, right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Dylan needs an eye on him and I, I just turned my back and like, it's, it's like he was plucked out of just plucked out of thin air.
0: Well, what was he doing before you? Cause you, uh, my understanding is you turn the bat, your back to like tie up the dog or something like that. Do you recall what Dylan was doing before?
1: He was like standing a little bit behind me. Like, I don't know, I'm not good at measurements either, a foot or so, Mm -hmm. two maybe, and he was smiling and stuff, and I told him to stay right there, I turned, put the dog on her lead and took her leash off, and turned around, and he was just gone, so immediately I ran for the road, Um, of course, I'm looking and yelling for him, Mm -hmm. and I... Um the neighbors, they were out there. So I asked them to call 911 because I had just thrown everything to the ground and took off.
0: And, and it happened this fast. Like it was just, he's not there. You, you start yelling, yeah. the neighbors come and Like what was, did that all happen within just like the matter of minutes or was there any time for you to kind of like look around without.
1: Like I reenacted it with the, with the police mm-hmm. and they timed like when I would turn my back and hook up the dog and turn back around. And they had it right around 18 seconds. Wow. 18 friggin' seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I have no idea which way he went. Mm-hmm. So it's, as I'm running down the road, I'm calling his name and they're, you know, any neighbors that happened to be there, I asked them if they seen you know, a little three-year-old boy and, you know, that I had a couple of neighbors, like there's one that he put on his boots and run right to the, to the river. And then I when I come back up the road, the lady and her husband, um, she was outside with another woman and I seen her on the phone and asked her to phone 911. And I continue going up and down the road, just, calling his name, looking for anything. Mm -hmm. And I did that until the police got there. And then they, you know, they come up inside and to get pictures of Dylan and, you know, they just want to search the house Mm -hmm. and they did. And both my place and down, like I live upstairs, downstairs, my in-laws live and they've searched their place. Like, both places got searched three to four times. Wow. Okay. That day, just in case he's in a closet or something,
0: hiding out or just being. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like mostly when, when this happened, you were on the street looking, thinking he would have wandered towards the street, but it seems like the majority of the search now has shifted to behind your house. How I know there's like some kind of stream or river or something. How far is that from your property?
1: Um, Well, the little river that everybody's talking about and the reason I paid no attention, I'm never down there. Mm -hmm. And I thought I didn't think that that little brook was right there because it's right like behind my my neighbor behind me is behind their house. Okay. And I don't go there for any reason. And you can't see it from the street. Mm -hmm. The main river that goes right under the street. Well, everybody knows that's there Mm -hmm. and there's lots of water in it. But for him to get down through there, no. <laughs> how far
0: of a walk are we talking about? Like, if you stood in your backyard and you wanted to walk to one of these like brooks, how are we talking like a, you know, like just like a two or three minute little walk to get to it, or are they a distance away?
1: No, it would only be like two or three minutes. But the it's like bushes that have thorns on them, mm-hmm. and definitely you would he would have got caught in something. And if he did manage to make it to that brook and there, there was enough water that if he went in, he would have got caught up with all the, the trees that were laying in the brook mm-hmm. and something, he would have got caught. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way he went into that brook.
0: Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. And me? yeah. And of course the brook has been searched tremendously and they did yes. find dylan's boots to his two rubber boots caught like in debris so the way i understand it is like yeah. the river of the stream would be flowing through debris so anything in the river would get caught up in the sticks and branches the way his it would his boots yeah his boots did um you now th- this brook would this have been something that was known to dylan like did you like you know go there and throw rocks in it with him and stuff no or?
1: he's never i have never ever taken him to any body of water Mm -hmm. um now down at the end of my street is the salmon river itself and i haven't even had them down there okay so because and when the police showed up um to be honest like they're they were talking to me and then they got you know asking about that water and Asked me, you know, if there's friends around or there's no other kids that on the street that he would even be playing with. Mm-hmm. So he's never been to the neighbors, nothing like that. Um, like I told them right up front, I thought somebody took him. I don't know why. I just that was my feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the police stopped talking to me, really, and was focusing on this water this river the salmon river like they were just focused on that and it just kind of you know went from there um the police did bring in um their canine Mm -hmm. i offered him one of dylan's shirts to see if he needed it for you know see if it would be helpful and they were like no i don't think so all right, I didn't know how they'd find D- Dylan's smell without a smell of Dylan, but I don't know how the dogs work either.
0: Yeah, so. but it, but it seems like right but from t- the very beginning, the focus was on this this brook, this river, right? And right? And I suppose finding his boots down there would almost encourage them to keep the focus on on that.
1: They would, and th- to be honest, those boots being there really doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. Because he went missing, and then the boots are found, what, five, six, seven hours later? Mm. And they haven't even made it out of that area. Mm. But Dylan is nowhere. Could understand how one that was found in a cart, but the other one was found, I believe, like... Close to the dirt,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but was still in water. Like they weren't too too far apart.
0: Mm-hmm. But no, but I agree. Like when I when I hear heard that part of, of this the story, it, it, it would shock me that the that both boots would be left behind. But somehow, if if he was in there, he managed to right. you know not get caught up on something, which seems much more likely to happen than the boots, right? you talked a bit about you have theories yourself and you've also mentioned that you think someone took him. Yes. Do you, do you think like he was your attention away from him long enough for someone to grab him or maybe like he would have had enough time to wander away and someone like a, a ill intentioned person was at the right place at the right time for them.
1: Um. If he would have bolted, he's quick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not like you know, he's been with me. I mean, him and his mom have been visiting here and even father. And Dylan will just take off, but he's always ran towards Queen Street or across my street. And he's pretty quick. You gotta really, really run to catch him. <laughs> But I have caught him. Yeah, yeah.
0: But he, but that was a part of his personality. Like he was brave enough that he would, if if you, if he was out in your front yard, he'd have no problem taking off. No, no,
1: no. You never. I like. There's a lot of theories that I, you know, left him outside, went in the house. That would never happen. Mm-hmm. Never in a million years. I had seven. I have seven grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, five of which are around here and a couple out west. Mm-hmm. The other ones weren't runners. <laughs> he was a runner. Uh, like, if he was distracted or whatever, and he's, you know, with this, when, with the dog, she was only five months, so they were kind of buddies, like, yeah. kind of thing. So, he would have just stayed there playing with her mm-hmm. when she was hooked up, but I never dreamt in a million years that he could just disappear just that quick. Mm-hmm. Would never even have thought, of, thought a thought of thing about it. And, and, is- and what I did that day was no different than I have done a million times. Mm-hmm. And is that really
0: what leads you to think there's more to it than him just wandering off? Like the fact that your attention was away from him for such a short period of time. You don't, is that what's kind of leading you to think someone,
1: I think that he ran in that direction and there's only two scenarios in my mind, either someone was watching or it's just, a matter of someone awful being there at the wrong time or right time or whichever way you want to say that. Like I do. And I do believe that I have an idea of who me. I have to be very careful because I can't accuse anybody with no proof And it is an ongoing investigation, so.
0: Of course. Yeah, I understand that. But but you had mentioned that, like, when the police arrived that day and the initial investigation was happening, like, just as they were putting together what happened, was there ever a time you felt that the police were suspicious of you? Like, was there ever, like, an intense interview or anything that you had to go through?
1: Um, I didn't, I wouldn't say it was intense. Mm -hmm. Um. I went, they took me down to the station and I gave them a statement. Um, And then uh, a couple days later, they asked me if I'd mind doing a poly. Mm -hmm. I had no problem with doing that. Mm. So, and everything turned out, well, it shows I'm not lying. Oh, so you actually did one. Yes.
0: Uh, what was that like? Just a uh, you. You hear about polygraph Long. tests, but you hear about all the time people doing them. But like, what, what actually? Like, how did it happen? What did they do?
1: Well, they they um especially where I never had one before. They just explain what it's all about, and um they run about three or four questions, and they they tell you what those questions are Mm -hmm. because they want you to tell the truth. First time they, they tell you, you know, tell the truth about them all. Mm -hmm. And then they pick out one. that's like, okay, I want you to lie. Mm -hmm. So you lie and it shows them. um,
0: uh, Just kind of like how your body reacts. Yeah. Like
1: how, how it um, records or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they, like, it's most of the time was spent because I didn't know what it is, because all I see it is on TV. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't know if they work or if they're, you know, if my words can be twisted later, I uh, I don't know weird stuff
0: goes yeah. through your head oh yeah I'd be um, I'd be paranoid about it I'd be paranoid going yeah into that just in case like because even if I know I didn't do anything I'm like do I trust this machine to know <laughs> yeah it's a pretty like a, a high stakes kind of situation so is it like well
1: it is but I wasn't that I wasn't really afraid mm-hmm. because I knew what I was telling the truth so it I was just nervous and I had to get Past that nervousness Mm -hmm. so he explained everything that they do and never just to copy so i'd be calm Mm -hmm. um and then they asked questions and they redo it like they take it look at it you do it again they take it look at it and they do it again like and then they take it look at it and then they decide if you're Okay, everything is consistent. So, as a, I'm telling the truth, and
0: yeah, and and after that, it was you, you didn't feel like did you feel like they were ever kind of like giving you a hard time or really questioning you after that or did that seem to no,
1: no. that was it. Mm-hmm. it that was that
0: was it and, and when you did it, do you recall like the kind of I'm I'm guessing the questions were probably that you know were you involved in you know your grandson's death was it like that sort of thing or was it any like kind of pointed questioning?
1: It was, uh, um, you know, do I know what happened? Okay. Um, you know, read right along those lines. I can't remember the exact questions because it was it's over a year ago yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. But, mm-hmm. but along those lines, like if, you know, if I had anything to do with it or, mm-hmm. you know, and it it, it shows that I... Was telling the truth about my statement in the beginning i understand like my my statement has never changed
0: you've made it clear that you have yourself some ideas what what may have happened what do you think mm-hmm. what is going to need to happen for dylan to be found like do you think there's someone that the police should be, you know, uh, investigating further,
1: or what? Like, what do you think is has to happen? I do. Um, I have already spoke to the police. I mean, about you know my my instincts
0: mm-hmm.
1: on who and the reasons behind it, but like, they're. Well, we can't investigate somebody on somebody's instincts. Mm-hmm.
0: So so just to be clear, so, is, just to be clear, you don't have like, like information that points you in this way. It's just kind of like no. an internal like spider sense instinct. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. There's no proof. Not there's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no proof. And that which is why I can't really say much.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand.
1: Because I don't want to be like. You know, name dropping when, but they'd have to do, um, in my own opinion, they should put everybody through a polygraph test, everybody, Um, and then just kind of take it from there, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I, I think even doing something like that, that's just, even that is enough to kind of like uh, stir things up and right. maybe make someone say something that, you know, they hadn't said before, but, um, right. but I can also understand the police hands may be slightly tied of just, um, you know, just bringing everybody in, you know, cast if, that front the But,
1: but I wish they had a blocked off, um, The roadways, especially the main ways of getting in out of town. I wish they would have taken that part more seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, I suppose they did the best they could with what little information there was. Mm -hmm. So, And they were dead set on that water and they wouldn't entertain anything else. And without any proof, they really... What else can they do? I guess
0: now with it being a year over a year, having passed since since Dylan was last seen at this point, what do you see as like kind of the best case scenario to come out of this and the worst case scenario? Like what, what is it that you fear in terms of this story? Like, is, are you just as an example, like, are you worried he'll never be found or there'll never be an answer? Like what is your kind of your worst fear about this?
1: My worst fear about this is, finding him no longer here. Mm -hmm. That is the worst.
0: Mm -hmm. Even compared, even compared
1: to not knowing. The not knowing is way worse than the knowing, Mm -hmm. but that I don't think anybody would ever want to find a loved one deceased. Mm -hmm. But that's the fear that so I believe he's still here. Like he's somebody has him. Um, but what, like, either way he is found, there then and only then can there be closure for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, on the off chance that he's found deceased, then at least you can like do what you need to do and mourn. Um I might be I might be very wrong thinking he's he is here. I think he is, and I think he is with somebody. Um, I'm pretty sure I got the right story, but I have no proof. Okay. So until I have proof, you know, it is what it is. So
0: now for, for people who are listening to this members of the public who want to support you, the rest of your family and ultimately support Dylan, what is it right. that you would want people to do? Like, how can people help in this situation?
1: Um, Stop spreading ugly ugly rumors just you know look for Dylan he is the main folk that he should be the main focus it should be about Dylan not you know rumors about this person or rumors about that person or you know how horrible the grandmother is! How horrible the parents are! It's not about us. It's about that little boy. Yeah.
0: Well said. Uh, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you you want to talk about or get into that we didn't that we
1: didn't cover? Um, I don't think. Um, just that you know, whoever out there has Dylan, please let him come home. He's missed so, so much. I miss my little man.
0: (laughs) I want to thank you for joining Dorothy and I in our discussion surrounding the disappearance of Dylan Eeler. It seems this story only becomes more difficult, more confusing, and more heartbreaking with each update. And sadly, these updates never seem to have anything to do with finding Dylan. And we're going to hear more of these updates in the next episode. But first, I'm going to have to wrap up this one. Before we part, I do want to give some thanks. First, I want to thank Dorothy for sharing her story with us. Next, a big shout-out to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode. It's a piece called Noir Tokyo. And lastly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, the show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please consider listening on the premium feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it'll give you much more than what you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive bonus content regularly. For about the price of a cup of coffee, you can keep the show alive by subscribing to the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest supporters of the show, Alexis, Jill, Gordy, and Marta. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help financially, you can give me a huge hand by simply sharing the episodes across social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on an episode, you can reach me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact or find me on social media. I use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, I'm often live on the Nighttime Podcast YouTube channel. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced
1: by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.